We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the Q&A show brought to you by the listeners and subscribers of KCSN and also brought to you by our great pals at Macadoodles. Macadoodles is the spot where you want to go to get all of your beer, spirits, wine, all of those needs and there is one coming to Kansas City in the very, very near future. It is imminent, as is the location that is opening in Jefferson City, Missouri. So get excited if you are in either one of those places. Your liquor buying experience is about to change immeasurably forever. BJ, my friend, you are here with us. You have been to a McAdoodles, a couple of them now. <laughs> I, I mean, have. I, I, you can speak to this. It is I can a now. life-changing experience here. I can, and, and obviously they're a sponsor. We're going to say nice things, but the, the cool part is as soon as I, I brought up nice them to you, you were saying nice things about them. You were yeah. teaching me about them uh, <laughs> yeah. when I was just getting uh, indoctrined uh, into the McAdoodles lifestyle and going down mm -hmm. there, and it really is cool. Tucker and I went down and did the live show uh, from the location. It's having a tasting center that you can grab anything off the shelf, take it over there and say, hey, I want to taste this before I buy it. It just as it in and of itself is a cool deal. Uh, and so, and then to be there, uh, for a few hours, like we were, uh, and seeing how the customer service and how everybody there can answer all your questions about exactly what you're looking for. I mean, it's a next level, uh, liquor purchasing experience. And so very, very much uh, team Mac doodles, uh, love that they're a sponsor, but, uh, love the fact that I love going to their places and their stores and I love their company, <laughs> Kansas city. Uh, it's a very perfect partnership. All right, this is 21 Questions, as we said, brought to you by McAdoodles. If you are a subscriber for KCSN, you can get on the Discord, you can ask us questions, and we will answer them every single week. If you are not a subscriber, first of all, you need to rectify that. It is $30 a year, $5 a month. You get access to the Discord. You get access to all of our premium written content. You can get the stuff that Charles Goldman writes, the excellent stuff for free by signing up, but go buy in and you can get access to all of our film breakdowns, discord access, film rooms and giveaways, including two chiefs tickets to every single home game. It, it's, it's incredible, incredible value. Go and do that. We're going to kick these off with Zeke and BJ. I feel like you are well-equipped to answer this one. All right. And I, I don't know these questions for anybody listening. You I have no idea you're, what's you're coming. Going in blind. So going it's very much like here. blind. It's very much like outside the trenches, except it's the entire show. <laughs> See, this is, this is why you're, you're very well prepared for it. <laughs> you, uh -huh. you, you do this every week. I, I think Justin Reed referred to the chiefs being in better shape. How much do you think that getting to rest the starters at the end of that game, getting some of those other backups some reps in the fourth quarter helped, against the chargers not having that wear and tear on that how do you feel about that 
I don't know that early in the season. By the time they get to, you know, the game, those guys are so hyped up. There's so much adrenaline going through that their bodies will probably, I mean, for the most part, do what they want them to do. Later in the season when they're playing through a lot of stuff and everybody's banged up, nobody's healthy at the end of the season. Um, and so I, I'm not going to say it didn't mean anything, but this early in the season, probably not as much. Um, I do think it was interesting that, you know, everyone very quickly could tell how tired ever it was and that he was trying to take yeah. himself out. And then after the game, they use that as a reason to be like, well, we're just in better shape somewhere. Mm -hmm. Chief strength and conditioning coach, Barry Rubin is just <laughs> patting himself on the you back. Like, this, like yeah. yeah, this made us look good. <laughs> him and his entire staff made everybody look good. But yeah, I don't know week one, how much of a difference that's going to make for just, you know, 10, 15 plays, whatever it would have been. Um, but the, not having those guys out there and having the chance of injury. I mean, you never know what would have happened, but uh, that probably means more to me than, you know, the wear and tear on the bodies for just one quarter, you know, a week later, but I think, short week, you never know. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to Andy's training camp. I mean, they, they talk about yeah. how well conditioned you are. Listen to Mike and Jeff talk about, you know, yeah. playing <laughs> elsewhere and then playing for Andy Reed and just being like, Oh, this is, this is wild or in Jeff's case, you know, going somewhere else and being like, <laughs> okay, so you guys, you're not even making us run. All right, cool. This is, yeah. this is fun. So, I mean, I think that that's more of the, more of what's happened there, but yeah. You anyway. gain an appreciation for the organizational structure uh, of Andy mm -hmm. Reed and how he does things when you watch a practice from uh, how much wasted time is there. And there's none. Everyone on that field knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing every minute of practice. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Mike Denny asks, through two games at this point, would you change your prediction for the Chiefs record at the end of the season? BJ, what was your prediction, by the way? Do you do you remember if you I don't probably 12 and 5, something yeah. like that. Like 11, 12. Uh I, I think there. I was 12 and 5. So yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think so. Um, it may actually, if it was going to be anything, it'd probably be a little bit better because I assumed that the Broncos and Raiders would be a little better. Uh, I still expect the Broncos to get better. Um, Hackett's going to figure out whatever it is that's going on over there that everybody well, seems to be he, he uh, beating around the bush <laughs> with. Um, and then I expect Russell Wilson to play better. Um, not going to be the Russell Wilson that was, you know, five, 10 years ago, that's been in that system for a long time, but uh, doesn't help that, you know, Judy got banged up. Tim Patrick is out. Uh, there are some reasons why they're not playing that level, but AFC West in general doesn't seem to be as strong outside of the chiefs and chargers. So if anything, it would probably be a little bit better. But this one on Sunday is a big one just because these are the ones you need to win because the rest of the schedule is so difficult. You can't drop a game like this this in this season with that schedule. I will say, I was looking at it th this past week and feeling semi-confident about the way that things started. I thought the defense might be slow. I thought the offense might yeah. take a little time to gel. And I mean, they still can. I mean, we're still only through two games here. But <laughs> I, I, the more I look at it, the more confident – I, I feel in it. Maybe some of these games that I was a little more iffy about here, you know, I'm, I'm not so iffy about it anymore. I, Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a game that I pretty much had chalked yeah. up as a loss. I really did. And now <laughs> I look at that team and I'm like, you know what? I feel a lot better about that. That offensive line doesn't look great. They're dealing with injuries, catching them at the right time there. Obviously, you know, you take the win off the Chargers. You maybe predict that there's a loss coming down the line with the Chargers there, the Rams as well, and then maybe, yeah. you know, maybe another. So, I mean, it, I think maybe I'm improving by a game or two at this point, but it's more other teams and the way that they've looked rather than the Chiefs coming out of the gate and just you know wowing us with everything. They certainly have, but I mean, I, it's more the other teams that are making me feel that way. You look at, right. sorry to extend this real yeah. quick, but you look at the last like third of that schedule after the Chiefs play at the oh, Chargers man. on November 20th. It com it feels completely different now after two weeks because they have the Rams who aren't as good mm -hmm. as what we thought they were going to be based sure. on what Buffalo did to them in sure. the first mm -hmm. game that I'm holding on to. And then at the Bengals, and the Bengals have been one of the biggest surprises in the AFC so far about how bad they've struggled. It was really interesting when I when I talked with Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, because mm -hmm. he's very tied in with Cincinnati working for a company that's based in Cincinnati uh, had a pretty good feeling about them. And he picked them to miss the playoffs and he's not exactly surprised. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with their head coach was Zach Taylor, but Broncos don't, or excuse me, the Bengals don't seem to be as strong. And then at Broncos at Texans, those games don't mm -hmm. seem to be as difficult as they were before. The Seahawks are not the well, Seahawks that they have been in the past. Yeah. And Jamal, Jamal Adams out for the year. Mm -hmm. So that was their dude on defense. And then, the Broncos and the Raiders 
to finish out the season. So that's a completely different feel because of the Rams, the Bengals, and then the Broncos not being who we thought they were at this point, but it's still really early for them. They've got a lot of new stuff going on, a lot of new faces over there. And I do expect them to be good enough to come up and bite somebody uh, one week. All of a sudden they kind of put it together and go out and have a good performance, but yeah. Yeah. But it, it definitely, the vibe, especially this early season, it was, Oh man, this is a murderer's row in the early season. Yeah. feels a little bit more. You're exhaling a little bit after beating the Cardinals and the, and the chargers. You're just like, Oh, okay. Okay, I, I feel a little bit better about it. All right, Rugby Fox asks, what surprises, if any, do you think Kansas City is holding back offensively and or defensively for the Buffalo game? Well, right now, defensively, they're not doing a whole lot of stuff in coverage. You know, they're keeping it pretty basic. They got a lot of young guys. They're obviously still doing installs and things like that. And maybe they're just playing towards the offenses. We'll see a little bit of that this week. So defensively, I don't think that they've really unveiled much much of anything they've given Willie Gay and Legarius need the ability to blitz off of the edge whenever offenses go condensed I expect that that's going to stay especially when Willie Gay comes back but I I don't think that we've seen Steve Spagnuolo really tap into the coverage scheme tap into the exotic stuff this season yet and so that should give you some confidence because they're doing basic stuff and they're doing it really well and they're keeping offenses down right now anything offensively PJ you think not really, because you're attacking yeah. certain parts of their defense, not necessarily doing what you do. They are matching up. They're trying to find ways. So uh, I just have the the thought, and I don't know if I'll be able to articulate this very well, but you know, how do you weigh the value in giving plays away that you would want to save for an AFC championship game versus you don't show those plays, you don't feel like you're giving yourself as good of a chance to win and basically giving up home field advantage is it more important for you to be at home or is it more mm -hmm. important for you to hold back things that you would want to show that same team you're playing and, and we're overthinking it but yeah. those are the kinds of things where it's like would you rather go to buffalo but have some stuff that you haven't shown yet knowing that patrick Mahomes, these guys going on the road does not scare them and it hasn't um i they've gone and played in some cases <laughs> earlier in his career much better on the road uh yeah. so I don't mind either way and whatever ends up happening. I'll just say, well, they were holding stuff back. <laughs> yeah. And you know, speaking of holding stuff back, you don't have to hold back your gambling anymore because the NFL action <laughs> is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting sponsor of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays and big, big wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do i did and i was very thankful for being able to jump in on that if that is not enough everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same gay part lays i love to do that right now every leg you add can boost your winnings up to 100 percent payouts bigger than ever why bet on football anywhere else and to make things even sweeter you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that is code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. She sees show notes for details down here below. Thanks to everybody there. Let's get back to the questions here. All right. If Kansas City opts for a splashy first round pick and maybe even a trade up here in the 2023 draft in Kansas City, who do you think is most likely and who would you personally love to see within some reason? BJ, do you have anybody on your draft radar right now? Uh, no, I am not mentally there at okay. all. I would okay. just be I, naming like K-State players that I like. Sure. I mean, <laughs> K-State has an excellent edge rusher. I mean, he, he really does. I mean, somebody that King could. Felix is pretty good. Yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah there's a couple guys like that. Uh, if we're talking first round picks here, um, I got a couple guys here. Andre Carter II uh, out of Army. Uh, probably going to be the highest drafted player from Army in long time maybe even ever i'm not sure where, where that ranks but legit first round edge prospect uh okay. he's a very huge long guy extremely explosive and 
fluid. Now, he doesn't necessarily play with the kind of power that Steve Spagnuolo really likes, but if they are shifting a little bit, trying to get guys that can just get after the passer a little bit more, and they got some of the guys in-house that play with power, this is a guy that makes a ton of sense. And the other guy that I'm looking at is a guy named Quentin Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. If you like George Pickens last year, and I mean, who didn't? Like, I mean, we, we all did, and now we're seeing what he's doing on Sundays. Quentin Johnston is a very similar player. Huge guy, 6'4", 215, runs a 4440, 42-inch vertical jump. Was like back squatting like 525. It, he's just a massive dude. He is explosive, and he also has vertical speed. You know, we talk a little bit about MVS and how he's got kind of build-up speed. You know, it long strides. He eventually gets to that real extreme vertical speed. Quentin Johnston is like that, except he's also got the explosion. So he creates quick separation. I think he makes sense in Kansas City. Giant body, giant dude, alpha at the catch point, and he can create separation underneath the run and stuff underneath. I I would love Quentin Johnston in Kansas yeah. City. I think he'd be in just an ideal dude to add at this point. So without knowing the players, you give me a, a guy on the defensive line who could wreak havoc. I don't care if he's a defensive tackle, defensive edge mm-hmm. player, some somebody up there that can provide something to get after, uh, keep loading up young guys on that defense. I'm all about that. All about that too. And then you know, Patrick Weapons. I mean, hey man, e- either way, you're 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 going strong there. Grayson asks. With Dana out, who gets a spot on the active game day roster? That, by the way, we found that out today. That is Malik Herring, according to some of these pressers here. And so that makes a lot of sense. Malik Herring can kick inside. Mike David's been playing a lot inside. Like for like right there. Okay, BJ, here you go. From Zach, what's the number of different receivers you think will catch a touchdown pass this season? Oh man, what are we already at? Like six? I mean, it's up there right now. And there's like it, three Patrick is spreading the ball around. Yeah, yeah. And Sky Moore hadn't caught one. Uh, right. Juju hadn't caught one. MVS hadn't caught one. I mean, I'm gonna go with 10, 10 different pass catchers. I mean, are we saying? Are we being tricky here with receiver or pass? No, catcher? no. See, I, I okay. think any pass catcher, any pass catcher in this one. Yeah, I'd say I mean, ten. I think yeah. that that's reasonable. I mean, I mean I, at I this do. point. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're cheating a little bit being in week two here and him just throwing it to literally. I mean, Jody already got his. Noah Gray's got to get yep. one still. Blake Bell's going to get one when he comes back. Like, they're four. Easy right there in the tight end room. So, I mean, yeah. And, and you know, they've got yeah, Clyde MBS, and Jet. You know, Michael Burton's going to get one of those little shovel passes at some oh, point. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noah those Gray. Count. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, coming. I, I think t- yeah. Yeah, Pacheco, they're going to hit him at some point. He's going to get a screen and break like loose. That. Yeah, it's the bad go, team yeah. that quit in about week 14. <laughs> Just <laughs> dumb. They're making him. business yes. decisions, scheduling <laughs> vacations and stuff. And you got a Rutgers dude that is mean and <laughs> wants to run you over in the flat. Yep. <laughs> All right. Andy Nagel, what player are you most excited to watch grow on offense and defense, BJ? Ooh, to grow. Um, I think on defense, it's Leo Chanel. I think the more he plays fast, the more he gets comfortable. And maybe not this season because he's going to be limited in his role. And mm-hmm. I think we kind of – it'll grow for him as that rush, Sam. Uh, but I think he's going to be a fun player to watch just because he comes with bad intentions. And we make all the jokes about death row and all the things on his arm. But uh, he has that stuff because he plays like that. Like it's a perfect – we talk about it and we joke about it and we endear him to it because – he plays like that when he's out on the field and that's going to be fun to watch. And so he's probably the player I'm most looking forward to just because I think it'll be fun uh, to watch him develop and start making some of those plays. There's a reason, you know, draft night, I said like this guy is going to watching his highlights. Like this guy is going to be a fan favorite at Arrowhead. As soon as it all clicks for him, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so I'd say Chanel on defense and then offensively, I mean, Sky Moore is the easy one uh, just because, I mean, again, there's a lot put on these receivers in an Andy Reid offense. Uh, mentally what they have to learn, what they need to know, not just about what route they run on the play call, but to read the defense, the option route, the different, the, where they fit within the scheme of everything that and everyone that goes out there, they all have a job to do in a given play and they don't know it till they line up. 
uh, in a lot of cases. So that's a lot to put on a young guy who's never been in a system like that before. Yeah. Um, and so it'll, the route running, the, the comfortability with what he's doing, hopefully we start to see flashes of that. I'm sure a lot of it now is going to be package plays. Uh, whenever he does get out there, they're going to bring him along slowly. Uh, but as he starts to figure it out, uh, you'll start to see him get more comfortable. He talked a little bit about during training camp, uh, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. And Patrick had made some comments about, you know, once he gets more comfortable in all of this, and it's not surprising every rookie receiver that's ever come through, uh, when you ask him about it, they'll give you kind of the deer in the headlights at rookie minicamp. I'll never forget Chris Conley uh, just looking at me like, I have no idea <laughs> like, that's what his eyes were telling me and his mouth was saying. Uh, I think he gave me a line of Andy Reid's offense is a living, breathing thing. And that was the very artistic way of being like, this is different. <laughs> like, there's is, an answer is, for everything. This is kicking my ass a little bit. That's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The whole point is developing something that there's always an answer. If everybody's on the same page, there's nothing that you could go out there and see uh, that you wouldn't have an answer for or a bad play called for uh, from the passing game situation. So, yeah, it'll be like fun that. to watch. Him. I like that. All right, Jacob M., if you had to make a specialty concession food for Arrowhead, what would it be? This is this is a tough one. I mean, my, my automatic thing is I just want to grab some buns, slice some brisket put an onion ring and a slice of cheese and some barbecue sauce and let's just have that yeah. there like I, they're getting crazy with some of the food out there that they are listen there are a lot of things that they put together that i like them all individually you put them together i'm like i don't understand this <laughs> i don't understand what we're doing here um yeah i have no idea um Man, that's a there, good question. I mean, at this point, just I, simplify I don't know. some of the stuff, just like some simple yeah, I, I was, brisket nachos. That's what I was gonna say. There, there's <laughs> like so whatever it is on with some of this. It's, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't everything. It's specialty off. fried green grilled cheese sandwiches with chili on them. I think I saw that. I can't remember if that was Arrowhead. I saw that somewhere. That was a stadium food. And it was just like, okay, that's a heart attack about, like, right a comfort there. food when it's cold. Like, what do you want when it's cold? Like, it's Ooh. very boring. Just give me like pretzel with some cheese and a <laughs> just so everything i'd been drinking if they had if they had more noon games which i know that they don't you know they they don't have a ton of noon games anymore because obviously not they're on prime time all the time i would want uh a really solid biscuits and gravy in the state yeah yeah get get done That's tailgating maybe you had some breakfast out there or something like that but you come in you just need something like dense to sit in your yeah i'm trying to think yeah. of something sweet and all of that but i put myself in that space like it's never like i want some kind of dessert no. something i need something like bread right. i need some yeah. pizza I, <laughs> I need some pretzels like jumbo pretzel kind of deal can i Soak get a up loaf what of I've been bread doing. please i just need a full loaf of bread i'm just need gonna equivalent of a giant <laughs> sponge in my stomach right now is yeah. what i need okay i gotta get right i gotta uh Get out of here and you know refill up the tank here in the second half. Right, I got a job right. to do. Yeah, yeah, it's we've the definitely game. never done that at beat at Arrowhead before together. Definitely, never. Uh, <laughs> never. Some videos said, out there, somebody's phone somewhere. They're like, "Is that that guy?" Yeah, yeah. maybe. Robbie C, I love the prime vision view for watching the game on Thursday Night Football since you actually see what was happening downfield. Did you watch Thursday Night Football that way? And if so, what do you think about it? I know you guys didn't get to watch that uh, during the Chiefs game. I don't know if you caught any of this Thursday night's game with that prime video. Personally, I love it. I absolutely love it. You get far more all 22 angles. They put up a whole bunch of extra next-gen stats. The thing that I love the most, and we we know the software that they use for it because uh, we're also using it for our offensive and defensive breakdown. So go watch the breakdown sure. on YouTube and the defense please. breakdown. <laughs> yeah, please go go watch those. Those are great. So, but um, they do a good job of highlighting personnel on the field. And for somebody like me that likes to live chart offensive formations and things like that, I mean, people ask me all that man it must be fun to watch games with you no i'm the most boring person in the world to watch games i'm literally sitting in a spreadsheet charting games i'm super boring to watch games with but them putting markers on people listing the personnel things like that especially in a game like the chargers game where they were switching between light and heavy personnel and two back sets and 12 personnel and motion and guys all over the place 
it would have been a nightmare to try and get those accurately. I would have had to wait for the full all 22 to come out and I would have had to spend a long time doing it. They identified all those guys. There were markers on every single one of them. I was able to just very clearly be like, Oh, it's 12 personnel, even though it doesn't look like 12 personnel. Loved it. Absolutely love getting to see all that stuff. That's the stuff that makes my brain happy. So I I am all about that. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's going to be tough for me to watch most of the Thursday night games, unless the chiefs are playing just because, uh, my son's flag football practice is on Thursday nights uh, right at the same time. And it goes pretty late um, after the game has started. Then I got to get home, put him to bed. And by then mm-hmm. like miss most of the game anyway, but um, flag football is pretty fun. Video? Couple... Can I, can I get prime? Can I get prime video on your son's flag football games? I, I watch. <laughs> sure, I will. There's some familiar faces out there. You get head coach, Anthony Sherman and uh, assistant coach, Jordan Devi. <laughs> so and their sons and their sons are on the team. So, there you go. Uh, now you just got to get that sweet, sweet love Bezos it, money your way. And yeah, no <laughs> absolutely get it in there. It's so much fun. That's the first season my son's played flag football. These kids have played yeah. there for like three years. They are absolutely, they are studs. <laughs> like that team. <laughs> Carter's one of like two new, my son is one of uh, two new kids on the team. And I don't think they've lost in three years. And we haven't had a wow. score within like, most scores are like 40 to six. <sighs> and so like Carter's figuring out, he's learning. Uh, but the rest of these kids are like scoring. It's, crazy to watch like you come up to kansas city craig you should watch these guys play okay. it's eric okay. fisher came out like two weeks ago i saw him now i was like you kind of stand I just out dude. To come out just to <laughs> Six, just seven, to rub elbows pounded. man <laughs> that's, yeah that's the they're like. hard to miss out there they're oh, easy I'm, sure. To, I'm sure it's easy to find <laughs> wesley vreeland what exactly was the difference been in the play between jalen watson and joshua williams looked like williams is going to be the next man up in training camp slash preseason however watson got the start above him i think it's just understanding the system um picking up what they want to do there i i I look at joshua williams i see a guy that i reminds me very much of charvarius ward and i know that we got a question coming up here in a little bit here but it reminds me very much of charvarius ward early in his career just a guy that needs some time just a little bit of time. I, I have full faith that Joshua Williams is going to be a very good player in this league. I think Jalen Watson, just from an on-the-field perspective, was ready. And he just needed to catch up in the, the film room a little bit. And once that clicked, you started to see it. And obviously, you're seeing it now. And I think he's doing a good job communicating, especially with Legereus Need and Justin Reed. We saw that on the interception. They Great job communicating, great job reading out the play, great job passing off the route. That's exactly what you need to do in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. So I think you're seeing him shine and him get the opportunities because he's just come into that. Maybe Joshua Williams had a little bit more of that early and they felt more confident with installs in training camp. Now you've kind of seen it to the point where Jalen Watson caught up and the on-field is kind of trumping the other guy at this point. So, all right. I can this one's a great one, BJ. You're going to love this one. Right. Lee87 asks, what Disney princess personifies <laughs> each KCSN crew member? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's the boldest one? Do I I'll take that one. <laughs> you. Okay, um, great. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't. You can't go back from I, things I like don't, this. I don't. I don't either. I, I, I just wanted to read that one. Lee's got another that question. On the grounds that I don't want to. you need more time you can't drop something on like like that on me that will live forever no 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 No, we're gonna ask another one if you knew this crew we do not let things like this go (laughs) so (laughs) maddie we'll we'll be in vegas next year and maddie's gonna be like ariel huh that's that's who you think huh it'll come out of nowhere it'll never be discussed until like the most like the funniest time in the world i just can't wait to go back to the pizza place and tell the lady thank you so much for letting us meet matt damon as they were recording (laughs) filming that movie i'm still upset about that love it she was just ready for you guys to get out of there (laughs) clearly for give con no We'll no, save that story no. for another. If you want we'll to know that, that story, story let us know in the comments and we'll tell you next time. We'll, we'll follow up. I'll tell you what. We'll go back to the pizza place. We'll have a follow-up. We'll film it. And then we can tell the story that way. I know what she looks like. I'll, I, <laughs> I will. Mike Denny, you both have to split duties 50-50 cooking a meal together. What meal are we cooking, BJ? See, I, I don't uh, think that you and I have ever cooked for each other. So, no. like... um. Make a mean jambalaya. I mean, if you can chop, we can make jambalaya. 
I can do that. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, actually, let's not do that. That sounds like a lot of work. I don't. <laughs> I think you go in waves of like cooking because like my kids are at an age now where like even if we spend a lot of time cooking something, they're not going to eat it. So right. we don't really yeah. cook a lot of same, like really same, nice same meals. With my daughter. Yeah, eating macaroni and chicken tenders pretty much and things that they'll eat but forcing them to eat the peas and the you green beans or whatever sustenance. Fruit put on there. you have to eat something yeah 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 so not a detail not... 15 will the chiefs continue to take whatever the opposing defenses gives them or do you think they're going to start to game plan for different receivers to have big games exploiting a weak spot pre-game in an opposing defense bj you kind of referenced something about this earlier about the way the office takes stuff so there you go yeah, I think the the stats are coming out. I mean, through two games, Pat Patrick's getting rid of the ball in what two point six three seconds. I mean, it's the fastest fast. that he's gotten rid of it in his career, and a lot of that has to do. He's going the guys on the right spot on these option routes, so he's turning, he's firing the ball where his his guys are where they're supposed to be at the right time. And so, if defenses are going to make him check it down and and play that intermediate route, they got bodies with MVS Juju just in theory granted it's only been two weeks and you can pick apart whether it's worked so far but in theory the idea was you're going to make his dink and dunk down the field we're going to get some bigger bodies uh, some guys going across the middle that's what Juju was known for that's what he was going to be good for and I still fully expect him to break out which we haven't really seen yet uh, so I I don't know if there was a line I've used more talking about Patrick Mahomes than the mental acuity he has to play that position was going to be on display after Tyreek left. And the people were going to quickly learn that it wasn't just get the ball to the fast guy and let the the dude with all the arm talent in the world make crazy throws. He is a genius when it comes to reading defenses and that didactic memory and what to do in certain situations. And so the dinking, dunking, the short throws, the getting rid of the ball quickly, all of that is just part of he's doing what the dif- defense is dictating a quarterback should do to have success against what they are doing. And so if defense start to do something different, he's going to make a pay a little bit. And Gus Bradley in his career has done that. And so we'll see what happens, but there are going to be some huge games from Patrick Mahomes because defense is also Craig, you know, this, you know, this better than anybody you know this 10 times more than I do that defenses do what they do. And so they're not going to, change in large part what they're about and what schemes they put on even when they're facing Mahomes. but every defense is going to have a let's not let these guys just you know throw the ball over the yard but mm-hmm. teams have to figure out what this new offense is going to look like and uh, i fully expect Mahomes to always have an answer uh, for what they're yeah. doing because they always have yeah i mean obviously when you had tyreek you're changing the depth of your safeties but and maybe playing a little more too high shifting things a little bit more but the the tenants of your defense are still there like it it's not like all of a sudden you're just like okay so we've been playing this four three defense we're playing a lot of single high we're doing a lot of this and now all of a sudden we're going to come in here we're going to play a three three five and we're going to do all of this you <laughs> yeah. know three deep safeties no you're not you're not changing that's bradley's going much. to a, a two-man defense and that's all he's oh, going to do man. for an entire game you know what <laughs> like, please that would be fun i i i am on board with that just just I'm because not, i know much be patrick the... could be running no, oh no. i know it, he, he would terrify me he well i mean know how much travis kelsey's going to be open i i mean yeah the, he just is because especially without shack leonard there whoo buddy they're going they're going to be missing some yeah. coverage ability in the middle of the field but i i would love nothing more than to be sitting in the post game and being like i'll tell you what <laughs> gus bradley made me a liar like <laughs> he finally broke out of cover three finally it's not gonna happen not gonna happen isaac q what is the biggest fixable weakness that you've seen from the team so far? It's offensive line play for me. Um, and I wouldn't even say that it's like a massive weakness. Obviously, last week it didn't look good, but that's a stud defensive line there. But you saw errors from the guys that you don't normally see errors from. I don't think that we're going to see Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey look bad all season long. Not that they did, but have the kind of breakdowns in the you know, in the blocking scheme that we saw this past week. I just don't think that that's going to be that way all season long. So I think that that's going to be an easily fixable thing and something that we're going to see not just improve, but I think we're going to see it improve quickly and please get it done before the bills, the number one pressure rate team in the, in the league right now, because that, that is going to be needed by then. I would say we'll see more out of the receivers. Uh, and we haven't, I don't know how much people have been paying attention, but the numbers of receivers haven't really made a huge impact. Travis Kelsey's got 170 yards of the last two games, but Juju's got 89 in two games. 
Uh, Mark MVS has got 57 and McCall Hardman at 65. I mean, those guys are averaging 30, 35 yards a game. It's not very much for a Patrick Mahomes led offense. I fully expect those guys to break out. And a lot of that's because it's short sample size, very small sample size. Yeah. Clyde obviously made a big impact when the game was close against Arizona. And then the, the score kind of dictated what they did. And then the chargers were just good. You're not going to face mm-hmm. a lot of defenses that do that uh, until you get to Buffalo, uh, which is its own animal. But yeah, I, I fully expect the the receivers to make a bigger impact than what we've seen through the first two games. But how great is it that we're sitting here talking about those guys not really doing much yet, and yet Chiefs are still 2-0? Yeah, yeah. And you got pretty good confidence that they will at both of those positions. Chiefs t- fan Tyler, does Jalen Watson have as high of a ceiling as Charvarius Ward? They remind me of each other. This is what I was referencing earlier. Joshua Williams is the one that really reminds me of him. Jalen Watson uh, just kind of naturally has a little bit better ball skills. I I know that he doesn't necessarily get his head around as often, but does a much better job of playing through the hands of the receiver than maybe we saw Traverius early in his career, especially, you know, we, we saw him not in perfect positioning, not really able to get his head around. I think Jalen Watson already is improved in that regard. Now we will see Traverius is extremely physical i don't know that Jalen watson will ever be quite that physical he's a physical dude but the Traverius was he he was very very physical so i don't know that i see the same path there i think i see a path towards Jalen watson maybe becoming even better at getting his head around locating the ball in flight and maybe becoming a guy that is better at the catch point you know maybe he's not as physical but he comes down with a few more pbus and interceptions because of it and they just kind of diverge from there all right. Z Andera with Veach historically not investing money into the cornerback position. Do you think that Legereus Sneed is done enough that Brett Veach would be willing to give him a bigger second contract? If not, what do you think Sneed needs to do throughout the rest of his rookie deal to earn one, BJ? You got thoughts on Legereus Sneed? I think there's a better chance of him staying long term if he gets a deal done with two years like a year earlier than waiting until that last contract year and then going because they can get a better deal with them. And that's kind of the player deciding, Hey, I'm going to sign a year early or become a free agent a year earlier may not betting on himself, but taking the money at that point. Uh, And for a younger player that wasn't drafted high, wouldn't blame the organization for trying to get him a little bit cheaper than they would. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen that in years past guys like Eric Fisher and Laurent Duvernay Tardif getting paid a year early. And then they waited on Justin Houston, Eric Berry, and those guys made them pay uh, by mm-hmm. not paying them earlier. So I know they're different positions and all of that, but that's just from a roster. A lot of it has to do with roster composition. You know, what happens sure. with Josh Williams, what happens with Jalen Watson? If those guys start playing out of their minds, it doesn't help Legereus needs case uh, knowing yeah. that they don't have to pay him because they have young guys who are cheaper. Uh, in that regard. And so all of those things will play into it. But uh, Jerry Steen goes out and makes plays and the Chiefs win Super Bowls. And he's a great teammate and doing all those things. It's going to make it a lot easier for them to want to keep him around and be the kind of guy that they want young guys emulating. Because as much as giving those big contracts is about what that guy can do on the field, it's also a message to every player in the room with that guy that we rewarded that guy because he does things the right way. Well, all the players, Jalen Watson, Josh Williams, they're going to watch him every day and know how he carries his business and know Mm -hmm. what types of attitude, what types of work habits get rewarded. And I always felt like the Chiefs were always really good about that and when they paid guys and how they paid guys at the right time, guys who behind the scenes were doing things the way that they're supposed to. Yep. And I I will say this. If Steve Spagnuolo is still in Kansas City next year, Uh, We don't know what the contract status is exactly like. There's rumors that there's only one year left and that this might be the last year. We'll we'll see. You know, they can do extensions. They've been doing that with Eric Bieniemy. If Steve Mm -hmm. Spagnuolo was still here, LJ is going to be here. He's too much of a weapon for Spags right now. Like the, the way that he's deployed, the way that he's able to do stuff as the slot corner, both from a blitzing standpoint, run defense standpoint, and his ability to rotate, shift, play man underneath, drop into coverage, in zone coverages and things like that. Like he is too important. Now, I realize that people are going to, you know, basically rewind back to um, last year about this time when I said, if Steve Spagnuolo is still in Kansas City, Tyron Matthew is not leaving. He's too important to the Chiefs defense. Obviously, you can find another option. You can. But at this point, I just have too much confidence in the young player, the growth into becoming a 
you know, a really, really solid player from the slot from this team and an impact player for Steve Spagnuolo for a long time, as long as he sticks around in Kansas City. For sure. All right. Casey from KC. Why wouldn't the NFL PA and Willie Gay appeal the length of the suspension? We're not going to get into some of the off-field elements of this. If you want to, I would suggest go read some of what happens. I think a lot of people, you know, the initial reaction was he broke a vacuum. Go read exactly what happens. It's a little more than that, guys. It really is. So please go read that, brush up on all of that before you make that that assumption, that interaction, and all that. So yeah. The NFLPA <laughs> and Willie Gay. Their job is to take care of the player, do what's in his best interest. The fact that Willie did not want to appeal makes it seem to me like this was fine. They knew this was coming. They had already sorted this out. Willie went, you know what? I'm not going to win an appeal if I come forward with this. So I don't need to appeal. We don't need to drag this through the mud. Let's go ahead. Let's get it over with. Let's get the four games out of the way, especially now that you know, the Chargers camp is over. Let's get the next four games out of the way and not backload it at the end of the season when we're looking to build towards the playoffs and have that run there. I, I think that that's more of what it is rather than you know some sort of conspiracy or anything like that. I know it's easy to point to Deshaun Watson's suspension and everything when you're talking about Willie. I agree. Deshaun Watson should have got suspended way longer. So that, that, but you know, it is what it is. Willie very, clearly was fine with it. Yeah, it's a very nuanced conversation, and we will never know the full extent of what actually happened. But what we do know was not acceptable to to act like that and there's a punishment for that and willie gay and and his representatives and everybody involved it are okay with the punishment or they would be appealing it now you appeal it it stays in the news cycle longer people talk about it more um but a lot of people want to brush this under rug so you just broke a vacuum and this and that like you don't get suspended four games by just breaking a vacuum and, and being not doing something wrong like let yeah. to be fair about it at that regard and and you can't be wrong about these things, but we're never going to know everything that went down. And we, in some ways we should, I understand that people that think that we should know everything and, and I don't think we should, but they're not appealing it and we're not going to know. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it, but it doesn't, nothing about that surprises me. And the only thing that surprised me are people are so, and this happens with everything, but people speak so definitively about, it. I can't believe all he did was break a vacuum. Like, how do you know all he did? Like we weren't there. You don't know everything that exactly what went down. And so um hope that situations like don't, don't happen again. The players don't aren't in those positions. Uh, but again, that's the personal stuff that players, you know, nowadays, everything's out there uh, yep. at least bits and pieces, I should say, not to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but uh, not a great situation um, either way. And hopefully, um, you know, I learn from the mistakes and move on. Nick Bolton talked a little bit about that as well, you know, helping him to be, you know, the best person that he can be. And that's what his focus is right now. It's not on football. It's helping Willie be the yeah. best person. And luckily, be. and so, they say it's yeah. first hand experience. The Chiefs have a lot of really good people around that uh, are willing to help guys who mm -hmm. want it, need it, all of those things. They have great resources. They have people in that building who help uh, with all kinds of different things. Um, and so they genuinely do care about their players and want to do the best for them as people. Uh, and then obviously the football is why they're there. So that's always going to be a huge aspect of it. Right. But um, yeah, hopefully we don't have a lot of these situations. Hopefully it's not a distraction for his teammates um, besides the new cycle of being asked about it one time. And then when he comes back, they'll ask about it again. Mm -hmm. uh, and if he goes out there and doesn't play well <laughs> for a couple of weeks, they'll be asked about if this is why and how much does this matter? You know, what's going to happen. Oh, it um, does. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it does. All right. Leighton Y 44 is Willie Gay or Trent McDuffie. The bigger loss, assuming that they both miss only four games. I think Trent McDuffie, was going to be the way that Steve Spagnuolo was able to expand into some of the outer depths of some of his coverage scheme. Uh, Trent McDuffie, very smart player, good in man, good in zone. I, you know, saw people coming out of that first game, me included, talking about how Trent McDuffie was was a blanket on every Chargers receiver, like he was just in their hip pocket, and there was no separation given up by him. It it was fantastic coverage by him all game long until he got hurt. So there was a reason to be excited about him. And the Chiefs were running about 50% man, 50% zone during that time period. I realize incredibly small sample size here, but about 50-50. It 
Since then, they've been closer to about 80-20 zone after Trent McDuffie has been gone. Again, another small sample size here, but it seems like they were trusting this defense to handle man coverage a lot better, handle that a lot better, not having to rely on zone so much with Trent McDuffie on the field. So if that does bear true as Trent McDuffie comes back and they get to get back into more man coverage, they get to get back into some more of these match schemes, more single high. They haven't run as much single high safety stuff without Trent McDuffie on the field. If that opens all that back up, that changes everything for this defense. I mean, I love, Jalen Watson and I I am excited for him but if Trent McDuffie coming back along with Rashad Fenton and Legereus Sneed on the field means that Steve Spagnuolo can just basically dig into a grab bag here and just pull out the coverage that he wants at any given time and not have to be forced into doing something that he doesn't feel comfortable doing that pays way bigger dividends way way bigger dividends than the personnel on the field in my opinion so I, I can make the argument for Trent McDuffie in that regard Isaac Hugh, uh, he, he asked me, but we'll we'll talk both of us here. What's your football background essentially? How did you get here? By the by the way, Isaac, I'm not sure how to take. How did I get here? <laughs> Why are you here? No, um, I was a guy that uh, his grandfather, um, grandfather basically was a a head coach for a long time, was focused on defensive back. So I grew up watching defensive back play basically my entire youth played a little bit uh was not good uh was much better at soccer so i diverted my path that direction and played that a little bit collegiately and like went that direction with it and then when todd haley scott pioli were hired clancy pendergast was hired a lot of questions about what was going to happen with the defense which of the three four i was a guy that still had a thirst for that knowledge and that positional awareness and moving stuff around so i started doing a lot of research and just kind of de facto became the defensive guy just by doing that by just reading books and translating it and saying hey listen this is how i read it kept doing that for a little while that was going well then we got all 22 and that just opened everything up because now we get cover schemes now we can see defensive line play now we can do all that realize how little i really knew continued to try and learn you know, just keeping learning. It's a continuous learning process. And now I get to do stuff with Mike DeVito and Derek Johnson. And I realize even, you know, few, I don't think I know very much. And then I listen to them talk and I, I know nothing. And so it's kind of cool to see some of the theory stuff from the coaching side that I know more of than the stuff that they, they bring to the table where they're identifying snaps identifying you know certain things looking at trends basically and trying to marry those two together that's where i am right now because that is that is the fun part of this because it's all starting to kind of come together in my brain in a nice happy way right now and yeah so th- thanks bj for 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 organizing this so that i can do that I tell you, one of my, I, I've talked about this with Kent all the time because we called you and made you pull off on I 70 when you were yep. driving on the highway. We called you on Zoom to tell you that you were doing a weekly with Derek Johnson. It is one of my favorite moments of KC Sports Network because I know when you got started and started doing your defensive stuff, it was probably a year before I had started um, and wasn't doing it that route. So, my quick background because I, yeah. you know, grew up around the game. Uh, my, Dad was a PA announcer for Blue Light High School football for over 30 years. So I grew up um, as a spotter in the press box, sitting with him, watching the games and uh, hearing him. He had a journalism background before he had started his own small business. Uh, so I grew up as, you know, at Blue Valley High School when, you know, Steve Rampy at Brian Schottenheimer um, was playing on that team when Marty was the coach, his son. Um, and then Brian's best friend's mom was my mom's best friend. And so I kind of got to be around the high school players uh, when I was like, you know, second, third grade. I thought I was the coolest kid in the world Um, and being knowing them a little bit. And they knew my dad was the announcer. And then when I got older, I was the ball boy uh, for Steve Rampy at Blue Valley High School. I played a little bit in high school. I played up until my senior year. It wasn't very good. I was a quarterback uh, when I was younger. And then it got to the point where like, I wish I paid attention not like then like I do now and kind of knowing what's going on um, because in the way the offense is now you sit back and throw the ball I love throwing and I could do that I was much better at baseball and I kind of went up, down that route but played in high school I was on a state championship team in high school my sophomore year I was the punter 
uh, for an undefeated Blue Valley High School team um, that won state about two hours uh, before our about two hours before our state championship game, I was sitting on the hill at K-State watching Darren Sproles and Olathe North just absolutely dominate uh, in the 6A state championship. And then we went and beat uh, uh, Salina Central in the 5A state championship. So I was rounded a little bit and then didn't play my senior year because I had to make a decision during the summers and I went and played you know, summer baseball and tournaments because I was getting recruited. I needed to be at seven on seven and that wasn't going to happen. So um, <laughs> that went, got a journalism degree from K-State, thought I was going to be a baseball broadcaster and uh, worked my way back to football because I had moved out to California after college and uh, wanted to converse with other Chiefs fans. I grew up a diehard Chiefs fan, obviously sitting with my dad for high school games on Fridays, and then we'd go to all the Chiefs games on Sundays together. Uh, missed it, uh, found other ways to you know interact with other Chiefs fans uh, at Arrowhead Pride. It was a blog where I met Craig, and uh, yeah, just kind of built it up from there. There was a bunch of us. We talked about it a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. on the network but there was a whole bunch of people that you all know uh that cover the chiefs that were all uh at arrowhead pride at the same time back in yep. 2009 10 11 uh mm-hmm. when the team was terrible uh creating content so <laughs> we're not gonna freak out when the team has a little slow start because we've had seasons where it was like oh what man. are we gonna write about that's not oh just man there was dark dark seasons in that in that time period man Whew. You learn how to create content when the team is so bad and then you learn who really likes it and who really wants to get in there and break stuff. I've told this story before and I'll never forget. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Gatsby because he was one of the first that destroyed. He was one of the first on the first on the first thing that I wrote, but I will never forget staying up. And I told you a story. I was in San Diego and I stayed up all night one night charting the offense and trying to find a tendency. And I found one. And it was every time they were eye right. Every time the fullback was offset to the right, it was a play action pass. It was like 10 for 10. And the ninth time it happened, I was like, oh my God, I think I found something. I was watching the film and charting it. It's like you were and uh, on the defense. And that uh, you could see the mic. It was the St. Louis Rams game. I'll never forget. It was the, they were playing the Rams. And you see the mic like pointing it out. He's like staring mm-hmm. at the fullback. And then they blitzed him and almost got a safety because it was deep in their territory. I was like, oh my God, I really did find something. They found it too. And I wrote about it the next day. And I stayed up to like seven o'clock in the morning. It took me like 12 hours to do this. Uh, things that, you know, programs do nowadays uh, very automatically and easily. Yeah. And the first comment was like, Hey, no offense, man, but it's pretty sad that our offense can be figured out just by some dude in California. And like <laughs> just a few hours and I was, it wasn't like, Hey, good work, man. Uh, anything, it wasn't anything like that. I was like, this is sad. It was like, like well, uh, this is sad. This yes, is and he was exactly right. He was yeah. exactly right. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you bring up a great point, but I'm glad I let you dunk on me uh, in that regard. So I'll never forget that. Uh, you put the work right. in to, to get the work in, but yeah. Lee87, Here, here's the question we're going to answer for him. Should the chief sign in Dominican Sue to help Jones on the interior defensive line? Poor elite run defense on the defensive line at times, and injuries can always be possible. Sue doesn't miss games. It can still get penetration and sacks as well as being an effective run stopper. There was a couple things that were kind of floating around for a little bit that Indomitian Sue to the Chiefs, people making that correlation a little bit. Um, I don't hate it. I, I don't. I do think that he's still got some juice in the tank. I do. Uh, BJ, do you have any thoughts on Indomitian Sue before I start in on any of this? Not about him as a player, but I just felt like that's what Danny Shelton was for. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's why they brought him in for that same. Not that they're the exact same kind of player, but Correct. you need help in your run defense. Like, we literally signed a guy that that was his job. He's sitting on the practice squad now. Uh, he's a veteran player. I mean, he's, what, 29, 30 years old, mm-hmm. something like that. So, he's not up there, but for a bigger dude, like, maybe they're giving him some rest, getting him back into shape. Whatever it is with Danny Shelton, I feel like he's probably a better answer. He's been in the system now since at least part of camp. Uh, in the last you know couple months, but that was my first reaction when you say that is why don't we sign a veteran you know run stuffing defensive tackle I'm like we have one they <laughs> put him on right. the practice squad right we did and I mean I, I think that if you make an Indomitian Sioux signing it tells you what you need to know about Danny Shelton like they they don't have they don't have high hopes for him I I do think it, it, Sue is just. He played, started and played in 17 games last year. It's not like he, you know, was scaling back or anything like that. He basically, he hasn't missed a game. I, I say this literally, hasn't missed a game since 2011. Like he has played in every single game in the regular season 
since then. That is a crazy longevity streak. And you look at it, it's like, okay, well, surely he's fallen off a little bit. He had six sacks last year, seven tackles for loss, 13 QB hits. Like, still a productive player. He's obviously still out there for a reason. And I don't know if that's just him waiting till the cards are shaken out. You know, we saw some, we saw a deal, you know, basically this week for JPP that was like a one year, five and a half million dollar deal, not a typical mid season deal. Maybe he knows that money's floating around there this year. Maybe he doesn't want to commit to anything, wants to skip training camp and then just kind of come in mid season and know that I'm going to play for a contender. I want to play for a team that I can be effective for. That being said, I don't know how much he's going to move the needle. I don't. I, I say all those things just to say I think that he's probably a guy that's going to give Jones a breather. Maybe you're going to see him in the dime a little bit, although right now Steve Spagnuolo wants to use extra defensive ends on those interior spots. Mike Dana has been very effective in that role right now. I just don't know that he's moving the needle significantly enough. I think he's going to be Jones's backup. So basically when Chris is off the field, so you're really getting him for – maybe 20% of the snap, 25% of the snaps right now. And if he's going to cost $6 million, uh, I don't necessarily want any part of that. I don't need to be restructuring contracts to try and fit him in. Now, injury, get back to me. You know, know, he's still got enough juice. So if there's an injury along the defensive line, I'm on board with it. But as it stands right now, I'm just not sure that I love that move. Craig, before we get to the next question, I do need to let you know that you may start noticing that there are some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your Mm -hmm. local stores. Well, it's not beer, Craig. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits at liquid death from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution go get liquid death at your local woodman 7-eleven roundies or high v or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn it's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn i'm going to take a little swig of this right now i'm not gonna lie it does it's very good water but drinking out of a can like that in the way that it looks you do expect like some, some flavor there's different flavors tucker's got some of me likes them would um, you consider your yeah. thirst murdered right now it's an interesting marketing tool uh marketing line i mean it it, grabs you (laughs) it does my my son had questions when he saw it um because he's seven and he's literal um he's like why are you drinking that Um, dad i want you to live um, but no it's good like the weather as hot as it was when we got him uh a week ago was like over 100 degrees came in drank it it's good. Feel it is yep. a little different though. You look at it, it definitely does look like a beer. So it'll stand out when you're at the store. You're like, oh, that's what that is. And uh anytime you drink a tall boy can and it's water, it took a little getting used to, but it's good. I'd recommend yep. it. All right. This is our last one of the night here. Anti-law lawyer is going to ask you the toughest question, BJ. I oh, know this God. is gonna be this is about Disney prison princesses again. No, it's not about Disney princesses again. Brett Veach and Chris Ballard have been GMs for five years each. Oh, no. Who has had the stronger tenure? And he's going to caveat here. He said, since Mahomes was technically, technically, puts it, puts it in caps, drafted <laughs> by Dorsey, you can't give Veach credit for that one, even though we know his involvement. Plus, that would be too easy if you just threw Patrick Mahomes into the equation because right. that's too easy. No, I'm going to take the cop-out answer immediately. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brett Veach won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl. He was the GM when they won a Super Bowl. He was the youngest GM at the time uh, Mm -hmm. when he got there. Uh, Chris Powell has a ton of power and influence in Indianapolis. The jobs are not the same. Uh, I know they both have the GM title, the, the, the responsibility, like it's, it's different. Not that Brett doesn't have a ton of responsibility, but it's not apples to apples on what they're doing. But if you're trying to compare who's done a better job, their entire job is to try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, That's it. It is. Right. He just won a Super Bowl. Like I, it's I just a boring know, answer, but like, no, I just know you know both guys. So I was gonna, I was gonna put you on the spot there. I mean, just uh, Chris Ballard's one of my favorite dudes. He was one of my favorite dudes. That guy would yeah, give you an answer. He'd tell you, he'd shoot you straight. You ask him, he meant what he said and he said what he meant. Like, he didn't sugarcoat anything. He reminded me of my uh, college baseball coach in, in some ways, uh, and that he very much you knew where you stood. 
uh, when you're around Chris Ballard, you asked him a question, had some really fun, uh, really interesting conversations with him. He helped me a lot um, when he was there, uh, when I had questions and things like that. Some of those guys, like, you know, you're talking to a GM, you're talking to these guys with these big, powerful positions when you work there. Um, he was always cool. And he was always nice. helpful. I mean, and that's the vibe that I get from Indy now. I mean, we know mm. a couple of guys over there at Indy, uh, Zach Hicks, you know, writes for Stampede yeah. Blue, does the Casey draft guide with us, has gotten to com- conversate with him a little bit. And he's just like, I mean, he's, his best guy like i get i get why guys like him you know he just uh, again same sort of deal you ask him a question you're gonna get an honest answer you know football dude he's a grinder yeah those dudes those guys grew up as scouts and and ballard you know down in texas like that it's not a glamorous life for them to get to that position and so they put their time in and they really grinded their tails off uh to get to where they are so um you hear their stories and you hear how much they put in and those scouts on the road all the time and scouting and it it's not a glamorous life. So the guys who make it up to GM and treat people like Ballard is treated people like it's cool. You root for yeah. those guys, but it is Brett Beach. I mean, it is, it just is. He yeah. won a Super Bowl. And I mean, you look at the quality of the roster, especially after the last two drafts, at least Colts had some good steals in the draft. I'm not going to argue, but the last two drafts, Brett Beach just, well, Brett Beach is murdering the draft like liquid death murders your thirst. That's going to do it for us for 21 questions this week. BJ, any last words for anybody here as we get out of here? Thank you for putting up with this episode with two tired dudes late at night answering your questions. Uh, but no, we appreciate all your support of what we're doing at KC Sport. I already feel, I always get this sentiment, the emotional stuff when I'm talking with you because, yeah, know. you know, we started this thing and Kent and Maddie and, and all of us. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. cool. It's special. Um, you guys getting all the play breakdown stuff that I used to do. And now I'm more of like an executive doing business things. Um, but this is the bread and butter, man. I appreciate this. And I, I love this episode. And we talked about it before because it is our, our subscribers. And a lot of people that are submitting questions have been the people that have supported us from the beginning. Uh, and so it's always fun to have these episodes and get a little weird with them compared to the other shows on the network. But we have so much content. <laughs> You'll find something that you like. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yep, definitely. By the way, you're Jasmine. That's going to do it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your time. We will catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.